It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Hello! Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas! It's the <laughs> it's that time of year where we sit round my kitchen table and this year we've got big news. Well, I'm deeply disappointed we're not playing Class Struggle, actually. <laughs> Normally we play this game called Class Struggle that I played as a child, which is about the capitalists and the workers. Oh, yeah. It's like but, a communist version but, of Monopoly. But, uh, in light of the relatively gloomy year, Class Struggle appears to have been abolished. That's so weird, because I used to play a game with my stepfather growing up that's quite similar. Really? What's it called? It sounds controversial. Go on. It's called the immigration game. Right. right. My stepdad is Chinese originally, and when in the eighties, when we used to like go anywhere, we'd always get stopped by immigration because British immigration in the eighties couldn't believe that a Chinese man could have a British passport. So we used to get held for hours and hours and hours, and they couldn't understand why a white woman would be in a relationship with a Chinese man, unmarried, and have a child who was Spanish and English. It was just too much to compute. So we spent most of my childhood, if we ever got on a plane or in, a, in those years, a hovercraft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in a detention of, centre. Yeah, no, just like waiting. And then we made it into a game. So we used to like make passports. I was a kid. Make like imitation passports, spend the afternoon, it was a creative thing. Wow. Brit stick and everything. Like Blue Petrie, really. Yeah, a bit yeah. of Blue Petrie. And then he would be the immigration officer, and then he'd shout at me for being an immigrant and run around the house <laughs> shooting me with a water pistol. That's a loss, isn't it? You should, you should talk my favourite game. You should talk to Waddington's or MB and see if they'd be interested in licensing it. He'd be like, immigrant and then he'd like run around shooting me with this water pistol. Oh, you might be able to get Theresa May to <laughs> <laughs> And now it's so weird how that game has sort of 
come to life yeah. in real life. It's called the Home Office. We should we should say who we, we, Ed and I have each brought a friend. Uh, I have brought my friend Paloma Faith. Your your Hello. friend. He's just your like friend, yeah. I'm his actual friend. He's with one family. And if, if anything, we see each other every sort of six months. But we we have been friends for about ten years. But in in recent Bit over that, I think. But in recent years, you've transitioned more into being a friend of my wife. No, she doesn't I want like you to anymore. Get, yeah, no, saying, no yeah. do you know what it is? Is that I felt this is me explaining to mm. you. In the early days of your relationship with your wife. Mm. I had such a strong sense of possessiveness over you and loyalty that I made almost an effort to not be friends with your wife. And now that you've passed that sort of like mark of being, how long have you been married? Six years. Yeah, so so now I feel like, okay, it seems... We're deep enough in the rut. Yeah, they've got a kid and everything, so I'm a bit like, okay, I should make a bit of an effort. Right, yeah, yeah. And... She's really cool. I like her. Better than me. me Better than me. Do you prefer her to Jeff now? I don't. I like her for certain things. Like, I would much rather go out with her than Jeff. But I think Jeff would agree that that would be the obvious choice. (laughs) Jeff doesn't really like to go out. Um, But I love Jeff for... I like to go to Jeff because sometimes I can, by his own... I mean, he likes to call me a bit of a bulldozer. So I like to go to Jeff for like relationship advice and stuff, and I'd probably take that from him over his wife. Oh my god, that will eat away at her. That makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I, I need like a sort of gentleman perspective because I am in a relationship with a very gentle man. So mm. I need to like, if I need advice, I need to ask Jeff, not some macho misogynist like myself. <laughs> not some, not some, not some manly man. And so yeah. we play the immigration game with as well, I guess. <laughs> well, my, yes, my partner's North African, so we play it regularly. I've brought uh, Stuart Wood. I've sort of let you down on the friend front compared to Paloma Why? for Jeff. Well, I know. Well, yeah. I'm a, cel- a major celebrity, Ed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I still aspire to it, but it's a long way off. <laughs> you're, a, you're a member of the House of Lords. I am. He's a lord. Mm. He's a lord. Mm. Oh, He's a lord Wood of Anfield. Yeah. I've met a lord and I've been to the House of Lords and my main observation is yep. the tables, they're very rickety. Like the people in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like literally people are running around looking for cardboard to bolster the wobbly tables. That yeah, that's true. My favourite member of the Lords was a, a Lord who will remain nameless, who um, was, was slightly frail, and he, he brought in an oxygen tank because he needed some oxygen to sort of get through the day. And uh, Why unfortunately, the wheels on this oxygen tank, sort of mobile, were very squeaky. <laughs> and as he sort of wheeled in, someone who was speaking just shouted out, please oil your wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I think at some point I'm going to look in Hansard and see if those words are in How the record. How did you end up a lord? Well, this is going to be interesting. It's, it's, oh, it's down to Ed. <laughs> naked patronage. Well, not naked in that sense, but straightforward naked patronage. patronage. And um, you're Lord Wood of Anfield, so, and you're, you're yes, a Liverpool fan. I am, yes. So did you get to choose Anfield for that reason? Yeah, I chose Anfield because it's the place that means most to me in the world, and also because I thought it would get me a season ticket. But did anybody else, it was available? It was available, but yeah, no, I didn't get anything, no. Do you get upgrades on planes for being a lord? Uh, I got an upgrade once. I'm not sure if it was to do with being a lord. The day I became a lord... You're not allowed to vote. I'm not allowed to vote. That's right. 
No, it would have made all the difference last week if I could have <laughs> voted. The day I became a lord, I was teaching, the teaching university. And one of my students said to me, she said, uh, I just read that you're now Lord Wood. Is that true? And I said, yeah, that's right. She said, sounds like a porn star's name. <laughs> so every time people say the words now, I kind of have this image in my head, which no one else has probably. I mean, I don't think I stand any chance of getting into the House of Lords. You can write, no. you can enter yourself, I've told you? you before. How do you do it? Well, you see, Jeff had the ideal opportunity because he changed his name, as you know, to Jeff Baron Lloyd. And he should have changed his name to Baron Jeff Lloyd. And then it would have been fine. And then it, yeah, he could have sort of it was the closest he was going to get to being a lord, a fake, it's, lo- a fake lord. It's not one of these things they ever give, give to pop stars, really, either. So I don't think you've got a chance. No, Andrew, I wouldn't Andrew want Webber's to anyway because I like a table that's solid. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and Alvin Stardust manager Michael Levy, he's in there. Is that right? Mm. So gone, Jeff. So no class struggle today. No. So, so here's what we're going to do. We've we've all brought along reasons to be cheerful yeah. from the year, which is hard. We've also got crackers here, which we'll pull at some. Stage. Stage. So you're right, there is a Christmas stocking in which are some names of people... From uh, a really who, posh shop. Yeah, who've been in the headlines this year. It's Primark. Yeah. From Harrods. Is yeah. your, whose Christmas stocking is it? It's mine. Wow. Somebody, you know, I think it was a... a Were you sponsored present. by Harrods once? Yeah. <laughs> we should get sponsored by Harrods, shouldn't <laughs> yeah, we? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so in the stocking are names of people who've, who've been in the news this year. Yeah. And uh, we, we're going to play some kind of game. A bit like, do, do I look like a badger, which we played yeah. on our live shows, yeah. where we try and describe to our yeah. fellow Christmas guests yeah. who's on the stocking. This is when I get to embarrass you because I don't know anybody. So what do we start with? Let's start with a name from yeah, the, from yeah, the stocking. Yeah. There you go, Paloma. Pull one out. What kind of clues am I allowed to give? A- anything but the name. Oh, this is... I'm quite good at very obvious clues. So it's from in my industry. Yep. Uh, Ellie Goulding. Madonna. No, it's the male person. Jimmy, Ed Sheeran. Jimmy Page. And this person <laughs> is a rapper. Stormzy. Stormzy. Yeah. Have you ever met Stormzy? You guys are so cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know him? I have met him. Um, I also, well, he copied my Brit Awards performance and what? nobody commented on it. Oh dear. <laughs> What was the performance? So I, did I mean, like, I do watch a lot of your stuff, but I don't remember that one. The one when I was in the rain and I won a Brit Award and I had, and I sung in the rain and then they were like dancing. I remember him when it, yeah, that's true. Oh, I remember him doing good. the one in the rain. Yeah, that was two years after. But you don't after, remember Paloma's one in the rain. <laughs> two years after I did the exact Did you take legal action thing. or did you leave it alone? I left it, but I was looking at Twitter like a maniac, like constantly to see if anyone would bring, draw attention to it and no one did. I also think that he's made a big mistake splitting up with Maya Jamma. Are you a big Maya Jamma fan? What do you think about that, Ed? It's slightly gone over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Maya Jamma? His ex. A goddess. Right. And, and Stormzy, I'm guessing, is in the stocking because he made a big difference to the youth vote? Did it win us the election? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's fault. a big discussion, isn't it? Like, uh, So I was asked quite a lot to do some bits and bobs yeah. and and I kind of said no because I felt like knowing what sometimes it has the opposite from my experience it has the opposite effect because you took Owen Jones on tour with you yeah and and he he came out in the middle of a pop concert before you yeah. came on and, and he's my support what did he act. <laughs> <laughs> how did that go down with the audiences well I think a lot of people who like me probably are 
voting against what I believe in. Really? Yeah. So I just thought it was kind of a good opportunity to use my platform. It was at the time when we were trying to get lots of young people to register to vote and stuff. So it was about the politics of hope rather than sort of pledging allegiance with anyone. And if you post about politics on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, Mm. how receptive are people? People just hate me for it. And a lot of people, which I find really strange, say things like, don't mix music, entertainment and politics, which is really bizarre when you look at the history books because you think... Things like apartheid or, you know, segregation wouldn't have been abolished if musicians hadn't said anything. Or you look at, like, you know, anything, like music, mm. Bob Dylan, like, you, you know, Nina Simone singing about slavery. Yeah. yeah, like, you just sort of look back and you think, oh, my God, some of the greatest political movements or times of change have been influenced by musicians so it's a strange mentality now when people sort of go on your page and you say something and they're like this is not your domain you are not allowed to comment and I say well am I allowed to comment as a British citizen then because that's what I'm doing if I'm not allowed to comment as a musician then am I allowed to you know like all my friends who weren't in the public eye posting about similar stuff so why aren't i allowed to i have a similar problem i, I get complaints on twitter when i talk about music i get a lot of <laughs> people suggesting stick I'm to what you do is there any research on um celebrities and their impact on them has anyone I think done so i think I there was think a so. piece in the independent or maybe it was the telegraph i can't remember but i saw an article analyzing it basically saying that it may be negative that's big when in the current climate yeah I think one of, one of the interesting things about Brexit is a number of people in sports and broadcasting and music who've come out, nailed their colours to the mast, one on one side or the other yeah, on Brexit. Gary Lineker, Jeff Boycott. There's all, and it's now, I mean, if you work for the BBC, it's now at least tolerated, if not liked by the senior BBC people, that you can come out and bang the drum for one side or another on Brexit. It's very hypersensitive, though, I think, the way that the public receives opinion like it's defensive and there's not like it feels like it's full of at the moment everyone's very it's very full of fueled by anger and rage Mm. and actually there's not much room for conversation which is in you know in the interest of progress conversations usually the best yeah, but thing to do. when you read those Absolutely. comments on Instagram, that's not a cross section of the public. It's a cross section of the type of person very who cross. comments on. Very cross. Yeah, very cross on yeah. Instagram. So already they're probably angrier or a little bit more unusual than your general member. Do of the you public. read your comments, Paloma? Yeah. Though? I mean, isn't that? I mean, I do too. But uh, I mean, why read Paloma's comments? <laughs> yeah. It's so self-destructive. But yeah. you've got your mum reading your comments. She often starts yeah, so arguing even with people. If I, but if I bail out, like sometimes if I'm going to say something political, I often post it and yeah. then I don't look. And then my mum will just call me and tell me how everyone hates isn't it me. Bad, isn't it bad for your... <laughs> she loves it. <laughs> isn't it bad for your sanity to read all these comments, though? Exactly. Like, the one comment I don't know how great nasty. my sanity is oh, okay. anyway. Well, was in the first place. Do <laughs> <laughs> you read comments when you do stuff? Yeah, but I don't people get many nice comments. People are nice on the whole, yeah. Should we have another name? Yeah. Go on. You do it. Should I pull one yeah, out? Go on. All right, here we go. Okay, this is uh, a Swedish person. Greta. Greta. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
See, I'm very good at this. Yeah, she is Swedish, yeah. No, very much Swedish. It was uh, her original school strikes were outside the Swedish. She's had a good year. Parliament, yeah. She had a great year. I enjoyed the fact that she was the Time magazine person of the year. How much that irritated Donald Trump. She's been getting lots of shit, though, recently, hasn't she? She gets a lot of, speaking of comment, abuse. And it's awful because she's a child and people forget... There's a wonderful moment when Trump attacked her and she put the words of his attack on her yeah. Twitter bio, yeah. owning, owning the own against her. Which but, is the, but the right, she drives the right wing completely bananas, doesn't she? Mm. I interviewed her this year, only over the phone, so I didn't meet her in person. Right. Uh, but I interviewed her it's right at the beginning of the year. It might have even been New Year's Day or the day after. And I remember being struck by the fact that... So it's before she was quite the huge international figure that, that she is now, but she had persuaded her, both of her parents to change their career because they were both flying a lot. So her mum was an opera singer and she was taking flights for her job. And, and Greta Thunberg had said, look, you shouldn't be doing that. So the mum had gone along with it. And I thought, those are some powers of persuasion. Yeah, she's yeah. What did they end up doing? What's she doing now for her job? I don't Come know. On. I don't know. Maybe just local opera singing. <laughs> just in, in the greater Stockholm yeah, area. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> you, you met her as well this year. I met her, yep. She's really impressive. I mean, there is something a bit weird that it's taken a... 16-year-old to get us... There's a sort of odd guilt thing going on, isn't there? But that is, that's, the, that's the brilliance of her message, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what about my generation? What are you people mm. doing yeah, I mean, to us? Yeah. It's taken it away from being a debate about policy to like just an anger of a generation, which is a fantastic thing, I think. Yeah. The climate change was... The climate crisis was hardly a part of the election at all. No, though. that was Nothing. disturbing. Nothing at all. I think it does... Sh- I mean, OK, there was an election that was a lot about Brexit, but it does show how difficult it is but to also, make it, but it is there, like, like you know, real and present issue. I don't know if it is that difficult. I think it's only people are struggling to figure out a way to make it lucrative, basically, and I've, that's what I think. You mean to make it what so that pe- so that people can vote for it in a way that doesn't penalise them, or no? I think that people are scared to say it's the most important subject because a lot of people would lose money if everyone stopped. Oh, so you're saying the best mm-hmm. the, the way that the you know the way that most people are going to get on board with it? If you say, oh, there's money to be made here, changing yeah. to a environmentally friendly way of doing things. Yeah. Because I actually asked a lot of investment bankers about investments in sustainability and like um, new types of energy and all that, and loads of them, all of them across the board, were just like absolutely not interested. Seriously? No way. They said all of them, it's suicide. I was like, sorry, I don't understand because it does seem to be the way things are going. And actually everyone I speak to says that if they were given an option of like to do something environmentally friendly that was just as easy as the other thing, they'd do it. So I don't understand why it's not happening. And then these investment people are just like, you know, absolutely not because I know how much I could make from X, Y, and Z pharmaceuticals, um, oil and gas, and the other ones, and arms, that's what they were saying. So have you invested in arms then? Yeah, all of it. No, <laughs> maybe it's not. local arms. No, I just, I just was like, I'm not going to invest. But then I got an email from after the election from an, a guy who was trying to like sweet talk me to invest with him and then I and then it was like it was basically like good news 
for the economy. Boris got in and da da da. And I just wrote back, please don't ever write to me again. I despise him. The only feeling I have is despair right now. And he said, no, but it's great for the potential of investments. And I said, for the selfish voter, yes. And then he stopped emailing. <laughs> but don't you think, to be optimistic for it... <laughs> don't you think that... I mean, it's just your view, Ed, about this. That it feels to me like, maybe not in the next five years, but in the next 10, 15 years, that the next successful kind of centre-left or left-wing movement is going to be one that puts climate change absolutely at centre. It, it won't be the only thing that matters. You would think but, so. I mean, if you look at what opinion polling about young people, what they, what they yeah, care about, you it's, think it's so. cross class, and, and it's not, that's not enough, but it's going to be much more and foundational rather than just page powerless. 54 in the manifesto in the way it has been in the past. I think people feel powerless and they would feel empowered by being able to contribute more. Like, just sort of having a refillable water bottle doesn't make you on your everyday life feel. Like you're contributing, yeah. like people want to. I genuinely think laws should be put in place that like literally no plastic bags in supermarkets at all. If you forget your bag, you can't shop. People would take, maybe I reckon it would take them two or three times of forgetting to put their shopping bag in their pocket before they just did it as a, as a given. Like it's about retraining yeah. People. And it has to start at the top. People, laws have to be made. But why is it so difficult to make it an issue in an election? Is it because of its abstraction and its bigness? Is it because we have other issues on, on, on... It's that thing we've said before. If there was a comet hurtling towards the Earth and you could you see it getting closer yeah. every day, all anybody would talk about is the, the comet. And even though you, you see news stories... But the thing like is, there were terrible, terrible floods in my constituency. Yeah, know, We've got this unbelievable heat wave in Australia. Yeah, you know, the I average know. temperature in Australia yesterday was 107 and degrees. I mean, That's there. what Greta Thunberg has done. She's made it feel a bit more like a comet hurtling towards yeah, the yeah. Earth. That's the feel that she gives about the issue, I think. Actually, Labour had decent policy at the election on climate... It just, it just it didn't, just didn't, it didn't it. talk about them. No, it wasn't wasn't the thing they went, went out and talked about, was it? It feels yeah. like at the moment the thing you have to square off to protect to protect your flank against attack, rather than the thing you lead on. And I think that will change. Yeah, I did have people asking me on the doorstep about climate, but it was it wasn't many. Well, uh, you had floods. That's what I asked yeah. everyone because I felt uninformed about what anyone thought about it. It but, seemed so unimportant. Have, it's, it's also like on the. I think part of this is like. We know how to navigate, like, the NHS. We know what the issues are in the NHS. I think it's partly, it's very hard for people to navigate the... It's like we don't really... Un, people don't necessarily understand the playing field on climate Most change. Of the yeah, how do you judge are, people? And which levers do you pull as well? Yeah. Most of the Labour voters that I know who were of an older generation, like over the age of 50, 60, were voting Green this time. Really? Yeah. I'm going to confess something. Did you? I thought about... Because I I live in such a safe seat. I thought about voting Green at this election. I went into the polling booth and then I saw the name of the Green candidate and he had the same name as one of my enemies. So I thought, I can't can't vote for him. I'm going to look up the name now. (laughs) (laughs) Highlighting. You are are contributing to the rationality of the the British voter. Is it like Brian Goebbels or something? Are you serious about that? So, you know, you just have a little moment while you're in there. I thought, I thought, um, I thought, shall I? And then I saw the name and thought, no, absolutely not. Well, at least you get a vote. I didn't get a vote. Of course, because I'm deprived of my legitimate democratic right. 
by being a privileged member of the aristocracy. What's the rationale? I think it's something to do with still being in a member of parliament while the rest of the parliament. Oh, right, suspended. yeah, yeah. And what about Justine? She's a dame. Is she allowed to vote? Yeah. So that doesn't change anything? No. And you're a, what did we decide you are? As many words. <laughs> you had a word for what a, dame, a dame's husband a is. A des. A des. Yeah, right, come on. Let's try <laughs> right, okay. Emma says you're a Dan. A Dan, sorry, not a Des. Ooh. Oh, crikey. One of my celebrity crushes. Right. Paloma Become, Faith. <laughs> a woman who is now huge, not just in the UK, but in the US, uh, writing, acting, uh, double barrel. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Correct. Um, Here we go. I've met her. Have you? Have you? Yeah. She's lovely. Tell me she oh, is. She's everything you want. Oh, God. That's great. She really is. <laughs> You right. have issues, don't you? Oh no, you've got all of British. No, 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 no. What? He's, he's got this. I've got a working class, class chip on my shoulder about yeah, and, and I've watched it, and I think it's it's so about brilliant. Fleabag, you mean? And he yeah. doesn't know uh, that it's okay to be working class and like someone from an upper class background. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Yeah. So I watched it. I thought it's brilliant, but this, it took me ages to watch it. I was uh, just uh, guilty. That's felt why guilty he feeds watching his it. child really bad food all the time, even though he lives in a really middle class house because he's struck by this terrible. Te- does he feed? Feeling. Does he feed Jean bad food? No, yeah. Paloma thinks giving him beans is is like terrible. That potato is waffles. Bad. It's not. He bad. has. Oh, my kid eats potato waffles, but like I grew up no, on baked beans. Look at pizza me. Pizza and like. That's all he eats. You're, you're shaming me. Your parents shaming me. <laughs> oh, you! I go on to the, his wife. It's much better. He's yeah. Be friends Ill. with his wife instead. Well, does, <laughs> the so kids you, always ill. Your kid only eats <laughs> quinoa. Right, Just back broccoli. to Phoebe. Back to Phoebe. <laughs> Phoebe, sorry. No, I think Ed's. she's brilliant. But you know, it took me a while to watch it because I was like, "Oh God, here we go. Yeah, another posh person." It's so much um, TV drama and comedy is made by people of privilege. Of privilege, Definitely. and so uh, you know, I had a bit. And of it was filled with a cafe around the corner from where I live in London. And uh, my, you know, my claim to fame here, which is that they, it, it's this cafe called Bold, and in York Rise. And I said, look. I thought they weren't getting that much business. So I said, look, you should draw attention to the fact this is a flea bag, like, cafe. So they put up a plaque. As it worked? <laughs> I think so. Probably helped. Are you getting 10% as a result of this? I am, yeah, yeah. Um, it's part, I know you're a big Seinfeld fan, Stuart. Is, is part of this reminding you of Jerry giving advice to the, fl- oh, the yeah, struggling the, the, cafe, the, the Babu Bath. Babu Bath, exactly, yeah. Puts him out of business. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. I think you should yeah. leave that career alone, Ed. Thank sure. you, right. Okay. But I, I just wanted to say, I do think Fleabag's brilliant, and I do understand it. It's my own And Killing chip, Eve. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. And I know that it's my own chip on my shoulder. Well, you're not going to do... Yeah, you look really sad. <laughs> <laughs> right, shall I... Shall I um, cricketer. Jeffrey Boycott. Heroic. Fred Truman. Ben Stokes. Correct. Sports Personality of the Year. Yes. And the Ginger. Which I, as a fellow ginger, admire very much. Me, t- me too, as a fellow former ginger. <laughs> you were, weren't you? Yeah. We were discussing this earlier because it's, it's, it's gone Stuart's... quite quickly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no. I was a fellow former ginger. Also. Well, you died. Yeah, this is what is odd. I don't know. Three gingers then? No, well, but you were never a real natural. one, were you? Oh, I always see. find it weird when people dye their hair ginger, having spent my entire yeah. childhood being ostracised for it's it. It's yeah. cultural appropriation. Were you really ostracised for it? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about Jeff, not about me. He was definitely ostracised. It was like casual jokes galore when I was a kid, about being ginger. Everyday gingerism. Everyday gingerism. Yeah. 
Although it has its advantages. I got mistaken for Ed Sheeran outside Westminster Tube Station, dressed in a suit. And I thought, if anyone's stupid enough to think I'm Ed Sheeran, I'll play along with it. So I just carried on as though I was Ed Sheeran. Did you give so him a song? somewhere a family is currently looking at a picture of me in a suit, in a, in a dodgy <laughs> suit, saying, this is Ed Sheeran. You got what, sorry? I signed an autograph once as Bjorn. Oh, wow. When yeah. my hair was a bit longer, I was spending New Year's Eve in Stockholm once and I went to the loo in a restaurant and a group of drunk men started singing Simply Red songs at me and yeah, that, that, that felt like a low point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when you had that little gem stuck to his teeth? Yeah, that was the other thing. I did have a gem tooth at the time, which is... <laughs> a fake gem tooth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eddie, who are you mistaken for? Uh, who am I? I was mistaken Maybe. for Ronnie O'Sullivan's manager during the election <laughs> campaign. Because Ronnie they... O'Sullivan came to my constituency and somebody turned to me and said, are you his manager? <laughs> no, I said. Um, well, you're mistaken, not, mistaken. not yet, he said. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the famous one that we talked about in the podcast a few times is you were mistaken for Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp? Um, Harry Redknapp's Can't manager. quite see that. No. Nick Clegg, you've had a few Nick times? Clegg. Yeah. Bad, bad cases of mistaken identity. <laughs> Reasons to be cheerful, a podcast about ideas with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Let's do our crackers. Ed won in me versus Ed. Paloma won in Paloma versus Stuart. No, I Stuart won. This is making me feel like a real oh, weakling. Sorry. I've lost both mine. I've got nothing in this cracker. This is an empty cracker. It's That's austerity. Uh, austerity <laughs> cracker. Yeah. Yeah. That is ridiculous. I'm a taking nail this. file. No, oh, oh, you found it. Is that... Thank you. Should I bought an actual I'm so hat? pathetic, honestly. Yeah. I, I appear I... to have a UKIP hat. Paloma's, Paloma's got a Lib Dem hat. I've got a Tory hat. He's got a Tory. My dad will be happy about that. Where, where I the think hell mine's maybe Monster Avi Looney Pass. Where the hell are the red hats? The trouble is, I've got a big fat head and I can't. You need to sort of unfurl them. I feel so inept. Have you done a podcast since the election yet? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we had a little. Where were you when the right? exit poll came out, Paloma? Um, I was about to start filming The Voice Kids. Wow. As a coach. You're a coach. I'm a coach for the kids. Is yeah. that like Will I Am? Yeah. She used to wow. be on the proper one. Yeah. But it's fine that you're just on the kids one. It's now. actually better. <laughs> you're still doing well for yourself. The kids one's better. <laughs> but do you know what? It was really, really horrible because I was like, I have, I was made, well, I was told that I had to be really optimistic because they're children mm. and I didn't feel very good. On the I've Friday. actually felt on the Friday. sick. Yeah. yeah. 
And also, the thing that struck me the most was how much of a bubble I'm in. I didn't realise how much of a bubble I was in until the results came. And, like, I think social media does have a lot to do with that, with the algorithm and everything. Because you just sort of keep seeing what you want to hear. You should have seen it with all the people replying to your Instagram posts. (laughs) That should have been a clue. But I did did sort of have this weird feeling that I was a bit like... I genuinely was hanging out for hung parliament. Like, I thought it was possible. It's the hope that kills you. That's the problem, isn't it? Because when there was a poll saying Labour would have a... The Tories would have a majority of 68, I thought, well... That's terrible, but at least uh, I thought was acclimatising myself to it. And then that yeah. same poll said it would be a t- majority of 28, and it looked like, it well, may. maybe there maybe there's, you know, it could be a hung poll. Where were you when the exit poll came out? On that sofa watching the telly. Uh, you sort of were expecting it, were you? Did you cry? No, I, I watched it. I sort of was expecting it, but then on the day, we talked about this no, before, you see no. on Twitter... Oh, it's no. looking closer than you oh, think. No. Such and such has been dispatched to Boris's constituency. Yeah, really hearing rumours there, you think, is this, this, this youthquake happening? Is it coming? Yeah. And then, of course, 10 o'clock rolls round. Where were you? I was on Radio 4. I was... As they came out? Yeah, because in the, in the minutes running up to 10 o'clock, BBC's not allowed to have anything controversial. So I was on talking about what it was like to be with a candidate waiting for the exit poll. Really Taking us back with Ed, yeah. Ed Miliband in 2015. 2015. We were sitting on the couch that in Doncaster. And then at 10 o'clock, the Should result came through. Should have been you this time round, Ed. Well, I don't know about that. But, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> well, we've all been saying that in the, my family. The, the, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's so funny. No, it's not funny, actually. But so many, so many people say to me, um, when you, I was just during the election, they'd say, yeah, I mean, I remember that 2015 exit. Well, that was terrible. I mean, that was honestly one of my worst nights of my life. <laughs> so you're saying, actually, it's great for me. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't so great for me either. I feel uh, like it could have been an own, like, it would. It was like an open goal. That's why I was so upset. Well, I don't think there's much love for the Tories. No. There was just less love for us. Yeah, but I just feel like if it was you, well, also, but you made, then it would have been different. You made a good point that the, one of the main purposes of elections these days is to make everyone on the centre-left realise that they live in a bubble. That's what that's what happens every time there's an election. You go, oh, I see. Were you, that surprised, wasn't were you surprised? I wasn't. No, no, I thought it would be sort of 40-ish. I was bigger than I thought, but I thought we'd lose. I felt, but, you know, it's biggest all finger in the air. since 1987, wasn't it? Yeah. In terms of seats, yeah. Yeah. I, it felt that's really, so depressing. On the day, it felt so different from 2017. It just felt really bad on the day. It, well, it is. And yeah. It, it is pissing really it down bad. with rain. And I just felt knocking on doors that day. I just, I just was struck that there was nobody really very enthusiastic about voting for us in my constituency. And I thought, this is just bad. And obviously, I, it, it wasn't like a revelation to me because we'd been campaigning for months. But it just felt, it just felt really. I just felt it wasn't going to be good. I usually stay up and watch it, but I saw that exit part. I thought, all right, that's me going to bed then. And then I woke up for a wee about two, had a look what was going on with you, and then stayed up. Just stayed up. I knew you'd be fine, but I thought, I'm just going to stay up until I know you'll be fine. I feel like it's because politics needs updating. The guy who got in spoke to, like, a Twitter generation who just kept repeating, like, his 147 characters. Johnson. Yeah, over and over and over again, drumming it in, and then... Anything beyond that was like, I don't know, I just feel like the way that politics or manifestos are delivered needs to change. People don't necessarily actively go out and look them up, like, of a a young generation. It needs to be like... 
They need simplifying. I mean, just they just really need to get a few sure. things, carve them onto a stone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm. It's I mean, not fair to talk about Stuart's idea. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. How long Nobody is admitting responsibility for that idea. Was it you? No, it wasn't him. It really wasn't him. I'm not going to say anything. I take responsibility for all two things. Firstly, firstly, it was the team's responsibility. We all share the load, and secondly, it wasn't me. Absolutely wasn't me. I don't know why you can't just like bullet point them on Twitter. Ten things. Well, that's, that's, that's why that would that would change stuff. Well, in a way, that's what Labour did in '97 with their pledge cards, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I think the other thing about this is you know there's lots of explanations about the election. You know, and Brexit is obviously part of it, but not the by no means the only part of it. But Brexit fatigue was so great. I mean, people. I thought that was very striking. Actually, I don't think people have said this about the campaign. Johnson wasn't saying Brexit's going to be brilliant. He was yeah. saying, let's, finish let's it. just get it out of the way. This was the thing that he used to trumpet as being the great answer to all our problems. He was no longer saying that. He never yeah. said Brexit's yeah. going to be fantastic. No. He just said, it's a let's real pain it. in the arse. Let's get it Let's get it out of the way. And Remainers like that as much as Leavers, some of them. Some it? Remainers mm-hmm. like that as much as Leavers. And that, that sense of the last three years. Been, and, and I used to meet lots and lots of people who voted Leave. And I'd say, look, my starting point was, you know, 2015, I didn't want the referendums. I thought it would take attention away from all the things that mattered. And so many people would agree about that. Mm. We, you know, even people who voted Leave would say, I wish we'd never embarked on this process. Um, but there we are. Should we talk about our reasons to be cheerful? Yeah. What from the world, Paloma, has been your reason to be cheerful this year? I'm going to name drop someone. Okay. Good. Is it Stormzy? No. It's Apparently he called... copied your scene in the, sh- yeah. in the rain <laughs> at the British Awards. He's called Boyan Slat, and he's founder of the Ocean Cleanup. He's young, a young lad, and he's going around the oceans doing these cleanups, and he's... he's he is making stuff out of the plastic, like sustainable items that you can buy online that are like multi-use things for the rest of your life. And he's all the proceeds of these items are going back to paying for more cleanups. He's got a good name, Boyan Slat. Yeah. What, is that, what, what nationality is he? I don't know. Let's look him up. Sounds Welsh to me. Boyo Slat. The largest cleanup in history. He wants to clean up 90% of ocean plastic pollution. That's his aim. How old is he? He started it with a crowdfunder. He just like applied Good for man. money on a crowdfunding thing. Dutch, apparently. Uh-huh. And he's developing advanced technologies to do it. It's a passive cleanup method. Let's hear it for Boy Unslapped. Definitely. I mean, he makes me feel happy. Look, he's got a very young face. There he is. Yeah. I think there's lots of people to make you feel happy in the world. He sounds great. Yeah, Boy Unslapped. Let's hear it for him. Yeah. Jeff? My reason to be Jeff was going to be more flippant than that. Mine was going to be photos of Tories. Like Memes. so, I really enjoyed when they were all jostling for the leadership. The photo shoot that Dominic Raab and his wife did of them in there, just hanging out in the kitchen, and it was so stylized. <laughs> we don't talk about kitchens on this <laughs> yeah, podcast, of course, yeah, uh, in one of their uh, kitchens. Uh, um, and and they got a cookbook open and a slice of freshly uh, yes. toasted bread. I'm like, uh, he's using yes. a cookbook to to-, to make toast. And then also that famous picture of Grant Shapps, or was it Michael Green, after the withdrawal agreement. Uh, was 
you know, was distributed. They had a picture of him in his kitchen the next day saying, been doing lots of reading over that, and he'd got 15 empty coffee cups in his yeah. sink. Like, why didn't you just use the same one over and over again? Uh, that that was going to be mine. I really enjoyed those. And there was also a, wasn't there also a Matt Hancock picture? Oh, the one in the campaign when he, oh. when he looked like a kind of regional detective on a BBC drama. <laughs> yeah, with his, with, his, with his overcoat looking into the distance. And he said, contemplating the future of our union. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah. was just, it was priceless. It really was. Yeah. There's also the Laura Koonsberg picture sitting on the bench with Boris Johnson. Oh, it's fantastic. Which has been one of the memes of the year. Yeah, yeah. That was brilliant. Reprimanding him for being a naughty boy and that kind of thing. Stuart, what's your reason to be cheerful? So my, well, the obvious one is Extinction Rebellion. So I have two teenage kids. And I, partly as a result of Extinction Rebellion, it will, it will just never occur to them that it is acceptable to do anything other than be committed to the environment, recycle properly, have politicians that put the climate first. It's just in their DNA now. And I think Extinction Rebellion has cemented that. I'm not trying to overstate it. I'm not saying that it's a, it's not, it may be at the moment a more middle class thing, but it is definitely a generational shift that's going on and might take a long time. But I think that is... I'm unambiguously a fan of Extinction Rebellion. I don't think doing. it is only a middle class thing, actually. I think it is... I think, it, I think I young pe- younger people... I think you're, you've put it exactly right. It totally is in their DNA. I think if you're a, a, someone of school age now or have been at school in the last few years, I think it's, it's, it's like a sort of automatic... It's like believing in the NHS. I think, I think it's sort of... My su- three-year-old, like, if, if she sees some rubbish on the floor and she just goes... Mama, the world is crying. <laughs> and then she picks so it no up. guilt tricks or anything. Then. <laughs> well, I made her know that the world will cry if you do that. She sounds like she's been brought up the right way. She's good. How about you, Ed? What's yours? My reason to be I'm cheerful is he's really into landfill. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend trips to the landfill site. <laughs> to the tip. Yeah. It's just like, this is paradise. <laughs> slack, slack heap overnighter with Jeff. So my reason to be cheerful is Sana Marin, who is the world's youngest prime minister. Yes. She's wow. been elected the prime minister of Finland at the age of 34. Uh, she was brought up by two mums. I think she must be the first prime minister ever to... Ever to uh, had that experience. Exactly. Um, she... Uh, was the I think she was the was she the transport minister before anyway she she um, it's it's a big Scandinavian Jeff's a big as we know all know Scandophile but it's a big Scandinavian tradition of being ahead in terms of gender representation in politics and also the other thing is there's five women in this coalition I think or four or five and they're all for four out of five of them are under thirty five. Yeah, they're all women mm, and, and yeah. most of them are young women. Mm. And apparently that was the biggest demographic in this country of non-voters. The most unlikely to vote were women under the age of 30 in this country. Hmm. Is that right? Yeah, the biggest group. Wow. And there is a bit of good news in this. That's tragic. Out of the election, which is for the first time ever, the majority of Labour MPs, there aren't enough of them, mm. uh, are women. That's true. 51% of uh, Labour MPs, which is the first time it's ever... Yep. I mean, that is, a, that is definitely, for all of the terrible things uh, really? that have happened, that is definitely a, mi- a big milestone. What's your own reason to be cheerful from your life this year? Oh, God, I haven't thought about it. Can you go okay, to so everyone the, else Should we go in reverse order? Yeah. yeah. Mine is... Jeff's going to be sort of like, oh, here he goes again. So I started doing parkrun. Oh, here he goes again. Uh, do you know parkrun? Five-kilometre run every Saturday morning, 9am. It started by a guy 15 years ago, Paul Sinton Hewitt, now millions of people around the world. And you do it in a sort of... It's a kind of organised way. It's free, but, it, you know, there's lots and lots of people who do it right across 
Britain. I'd start. We did a podcast on it last year. I looked up this morning what my time was. It was thirty-five minutes, which was not great for five k. A year ago, it's now twenty-six. <gasps> Congratulations! Well That's great. That's good. Do you want to know why he loves it so much, though? Because he goes every Saturday morning and he just gets inundated with people asking for selfies. He's the opposite of you. It's what he lives for. Yeah, but I feel like that's a gender thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Because women are always worried about looking bad in the picture, but men don't really He, he never worries about that, do you? I'm always like, oh, God, if I can't airbrush it. So that's, so that's my... Re- I was actually 28 minutes last weekend, but I did have the election. How early is the park run? How early in the morning? 9am. 9am, right. It's too early. Too they do it in Australia, I think, at 8 a.m. because of the weather. It's so hot. Mm. Um, but it's 9 a.m. in the UK. That's uh, so cool. Anyway, it's a great, but it's a great institution. And we're going to have Paul Sinton here on the podcast next year as a cheerful person, but he's an amazing and very humble guy who started this thing. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to just go running with some friends, and he started with ten friends, and now it's a massive thing. And you go with your family? Uh, I think. I, well, <laughs> no. Tell the truth, Ed. Occasionally they come. But they've sort of fallen away. I thought it was more that you felt that they were hindering your personal best time, so you discouraged. <laughs> no, I think the children were enthusiastic for the first few, and they've squeeze into the and they've sort of gone, and they've sort of gone, and they've gone away. Uh, they've stopped doing it. But I'm going to do it on Christmas Day, I think. Excellent. That's what happens on Christmas Day too. What's uh, what's yours? My per- I've got two. One is a very modest thing, which is I've got a house now for the first time that has a garden, and I'm, I, maybe it's becoming middle age. I just absolutely love having a garden. It's just a source of amazing happiness. It's just great because you can plant your vegetables because after Brexit, it's finally done. Thanks, <laughs> well, We have to become self-sufficient, you think, yeah, after Brexit. Yeah, we're going to have like a, a vegetable life. patch, which is what <clears throat> I did last year. I tried to plant for Brexit. I actually bought a pack called Brexit Vegetables. <laughs> did uh, you victory? I did. Were they I like continental it. vegetables or something? You yeah. You can't, can't get after Brexit. Like aubergines and everything. Monge too. The snails sprouts. are going to love Brexit because they ate them all. <laughs> I didn't get even a They weren't really there. called Brexit vegetables. Yeah. Wow. It's a good marketing trick. Well, I haven't quite got to the vegetable <laughs> stage yet, am I going? What do you want? What stage At the moment, I've got a, a rather odd little astroturf. You're going to have to dig it up and just plant for your family because there won't be any import. <laughs> wow. What's the thing you like? Nature? It's just beautiful. It's just calming and beautiful and light, and I love it. My other thing is... I did this thing in the summer, Jeff will appreciate this, I hope, where I, re- I realised I've, I've, as a self-ascribed music fan that I'd never actually heard much Bob Dylan. So I decided to listen to Bob Dylan's albums, 40 of them, one a day in a row. It was great. I followed this on Twitter. And I put it out on Twitter. And it, on this entirely new community of people, like one day I, had, I missed it and I got like 10 people saying, what, what, what happened to your Blood on the Traps review? Where is it? And I, just, and I got really inside the skin of Bob Dylan and his head and how much he absolutely adored his first wife and how their breakup kind of affected him. And I sort of got carried away by being a Dylanite for the first time. Which was the most difficult period to get through? About 1982 to about 2015. Right, right. <laughs> Although there's occasional genius in that bit, right? But um, it's difficult. One of the great Christmas records is his Must Be Santa. Well, in, yeah, that's, I wouldn't say great, but yeah. <laughs> one of the most remarked upon, yeah, exactly. How about you, Jeff? Jeffrey? My, my, my reason to be cheerful is uh, I took my son in the summer, just uh, me, me and him, went on holiday, the two of us. He, he was just, just turned lads. three at the time, a lad's, lad's, just lad's holiday. We went to Strip Sweden. Clubs. And we went to a little <laughs> island in the Stockholm archipelago. And Grinda, yeah, 
And and the reason that that is so special to me is that is about the age when you start forming your first memory. And I've been showing them photographs of it ever since. And I'm pretty sure that I've ingrained that to the extent that his first memory will will be just me and him and not his (laughs) mum. So it was basically to put him on your side within the marriage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So the, it's a bit of a, a little bit. Do, you know do you know it's called Reasons to be Cheerful, this podcast, right? <laughs> it's my reason to be cheerful. <laughs> Paloma. Um, I, it was my first time that I've had a huge role as an actress. So I really liked it. I'm in a show called Pennyworth. I play a character called Bet Sykes. And she is a highly irrational, psychopathic character <laughs> based on Myra Hindley. Wow. This is a film. It's a TV show, wow. but it's about Batman's butler Alfred Pennyworth before Batman was oh, born. Right. So I'm like, it's a DC <clears throat> Comics thing. You showed me some and footage of it before it came on TV. Just like, rushes, they call it. It was you like yeah. hacking somebody to death. That's what I was coming to. So yeah. that was my reason to be cheerful. I mean, it, you really looked like you were getting a lot of stuff out of your system in that. So basically, I have done a lot of things uh, to kind of re- recover from what was essentially like a a standard like absent father abusive bad daddy issues situation and i have tried many things therapy yoga meditation and this was the most therapeutic cleansing thing i've ever done was hacking a person to death mm. in this show with their blood <laughs> spatting in well. my face. Don't try this at home. I literally uh. came out of it and they were like, the director's note was basically like, Don't be um, so enthusiastic. I want you to think of somebody who you've never recovered from and that you feel has made a negative impact on your life. And I was like, I know, just the man. (laughs) And then I just went for it. But it was a dummy and it was fake blood, but it still felt pretty good and I was shouting and everything. And I've been really, really centred ever since. Wow. Wow. So forget about the act (laughs) It got darker as we went round. (laughs) Let's stop it there. (laughs) Jeff bought his friend. You can see why we get along. Definitely. <laughs> Don't try this at home. So but actually, you can try it at home as long as it's not a real person. That's a good warning. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a good warning, I think. Use a few pillows and sort of like fill your, what do they make fill the your fake... water sprinkler up with fake blood. And what do they fine. make the fake blood out of? I don't know, but it's quite sweet. I think it's got some sugary stuff in it. Maybe like You tasted it. Yeah, because it drips into your mouth. <laughs> Does it feel, it feel incredible? It's going to be 2020. I know. That's the future, isn't it, 2020? That's like officially futuristic. I know. Roaring what, 20s. What's it going to be called? Oh, yeah, the What's the last decade going to be called? The teens? I know, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I was never really comfortable with noughties. No. In America, they call them the aughts. Well, that, that's, uh, that's it. And how do you feel it went without class struggle? Better. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be said of your childhood Christmases as well. Exactly. exactly. Uh, Well, thank you, Stuart and Paloma. Have you had a nice time? Really great. Lovely. Thank you very much for inviting us. That was a leading question, I think, really, wasn't it? They couldn't really say. No. no. Yeah. I wouldn't say to your face, but I'll tell somebody else later. Right. His wife, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And thank you to you for listening to the podcast. 
this year. Oh, we and pre- thanks for wishing me happy birthday as well. Oh, we haven't <laughs> touched on this, have we? No, Ed's birthday is Christmas Eve, and it's not just any old birthday. It's a significant birthday. Yeah, I'm 30, yeah. Okay, okay Boomer, you, you're going to turn 50, right? I am, yeah. Yeah, all right. How are you feeling? Are you booked a golf lesson? I mean, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Full medical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am starting to notice the sort of I'm getting the, the junk mail for hearing aids and stuff. So <laughs> I, think, I think they've identified my demographic. Well, with Boris yeah. in power, you'll probably get your freedom pass in about 50 years. Yeah, that is true. But being born on Christmas Eve, you'll, you'll still only get one, one birthday Christmas present yeah, combined. Still like, like, still like every year. one present. Yeah. Explains a lot about me. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to ruin what I've got you because I'm seeing you sort of closer yes. to your birthday. I'm going to give you a present, yeah. but you am I allowed to say what? what it is on the podcast? Well, me not to listen. Yeah. Is it a weekend away in a Swedish island? It's a, it's a stair lift. Oh, <laughs> Thora heard. Very good. Yeah. That's the so, new face of Stanner. That is so. <laughs> that is so sweet of you. <laughs> right. Happy Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, and 2020 has got to be better than 2019. There's a reason to be cheerful. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.